just really commonly when we think about Lent, we think about, oh, Lent is a time to identify with the suffering Christ. But I think it's also a time to identify the suffering Christ in the world around us. Because where any human being suffers, God suffers there as well. We know that anything we do to help another human being who's been made in the image of God is something that gives glory to God, but also inches the earth just one tiny step forward toward the kingdom. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast. This is Lindsay Wallace. And I'm Kayla Craig. I'm Patricia Taylor. And I'm Elisa Molina. Upside Down Podcast is an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. And we've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Welcome to Upside Down Podcast. I'm Elisa Molina, and I am your host for today's episode. Show notes can be found on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast. We usually give a shout out to patrons first thing, and although I am still totally and completely floored by how many new patrons we have that are supporting this community, I also want to give a shout out to those of you who are sharing, rating, and subscribing to Upside Down. Seriously, y'all, that helps us all, that, that helps us so much beyond just becoming a patron. Um, those of you who are like, maybe not where you can kind of sign up for something like that right now, when you share it with your friends or when you rate it or you subscribe, then that just helps people find us, get to us. I know everyone knows that the podcast market is, there's a ton of new great ones. And so if you rate, if you share, all that stuff helps people find us. So I'm really super excited today to uh, welcome our guest, Cameron Bellum. Hey, Cameron. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. And okay, I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest. We are going to tackle the necessity of Lent today. And so like Lent has never been my favorite. (laughs) And, and this year it feels, I feel a little bit to be totally honest, like going on strike. Cause I'm like, (laughs) this has been the, like, haven't, I feel like I've done Lent for 365 days. And so in the way that, in the way that Jesus does Jesus, I think he's like, okay, girl, I'm going to get this right on time for you. Um, and so let me start with this. First of all, like all four of us, Lindsay, Kayla, Patty, and myself have totally and utterly been drawn to just the way that you have been like balm to so many hearts in writing the prayers that you, that you write for everyone to kind of pray with, read, sit with, meditate on. And I'm just, you know, they're, they're a combination between hard and beautiful. A lot of the times you don't shy away from what's hard. And I, I'm wondering what, what led you, you know, like there's definitely sitting in the tension with a lot of your prayers. What led you to begin writing, uh, some of these types of prayers? Oh, um, 
Well, I, writing has always been for me, uh, one of the, one of the main ways that I pray. I'm like, I've got a whole bookshelf full of my journals where I just pour it out to God. And, um, the first prayer that I wrote kind of in the style of the ones that I write now was, uh, it was a prayer for a lockdown drill. And I wrote it last year when my uh, my my oldest son started kindergarten, and I think within just a week, we got an email from the school that they were doing this lockdown drill, and just having to face the emotions of that, and obviously the grief and the terror that that is is something that happens in our country, being mindful of everyone who has, has lost a child or a, a teacher, a friend, and the people who have been traumatized by that. But at the same time, still believing that um, wherever we are, no matter how deep down and how dark, the one thing that we can be sure of is that God is there with us. And that really was solidified for me from reading um, from reading Greg Boyle's books. Um, Tattoos on the Heart is one of them, and he is a Jesuit priest who runs Homeboy Industries in LA. So basically, um, it's a it's a gigantic love operation. Uh, it's a gang intervention and rehabilitation program that walks in kinship and relationship with people, provides jobs for them, counseling, schooling, tattoo removal to people who just have been told in one way or another that they're just a throwaway. And one of the things that he says in that book is he's talking about how Every now and again, he gets a, a like one of these emails that's, it's like a chain email of somebody who said, I was supposed to be on that flight on 9-11, but my mother-in-law got sick at the last minute and I didn't go and God blessed me and protected me and saved me. And what he says to that is like, okay, well, what about all the people who were on the plane? What about all the people who, who did lose their lives that day? Was, was God not? was God not with them? Does God love those people less? And it has just been really, just really foundational for me to move into a place where I, I don't necessarily expect specific things from God aside from just being with me. And in that respect, God never, he never lets me down. He never lets any of us down. But that was kind of the impetus behind that prayer and a lot of the prayers that I write. And another way that I approach just about everything is this um, Ignatian principle, which comes from uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola back in the 16th century. And the idea is just that we find God in all things. And it's not just pretty things, not just happy things, but in all things. And it's really easy to find God in something like the laugh of a child, a joyful event, but how do we find God in things that are harder and that involve more suffering? And and I think this gets to the heart of what of what Lynch really is too, is that wherever there is suffering, there the suffering Christ is. 
kind of weird. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, 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 Cameron. Okay. I'm already like I've already written about three or four things down. So, okay. I absolutely just, I think my heart just really needed to hear you speak into this idea of not expecting specific things from God and just to expect him to be with you. You know, that is just, you know, it's been a year, hasn't it? It's really been a year. And I think everybody has these, everybody has suffering from this year that we all kind of collectively can, can empathize with. And in that way, I feel like, you know, it hasn't been all bad because at least there has been kind of a universal understanding of suffering because I mean, generally most of the time, you know, people are suffering, but, but also at the same time, everybody's life is moving and going and you've got soccer practice and you've got uh, meetings and uh, deadlines. And it's really hard to collectively just suffer together. And I think that in thinking about this idea that we all kind of are able to see each other a little bit more plainly in our suffering. Mm -hmm. The idea that God isn't playing favorites right now about who is losing a loved one or who is being spared and who is getting healthy or, you know, that he's not playing favorites, but that he's just with us all. I mean, that outside of just the discussion of Lent, like that is so... How long has it taken you to come to that? That's like that's like game changing, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, I mean, years, I'm sure. But I mean, and so many people would say this as well. It's sometimes in our moments of deepest, deepest suffering and sorrow and loss that we feel the most held by God and and also by our communities. And there have definitely been times in my life where I have felt like, okay, the, the bottom's just fallen out and I'm just falling and falling and falling. And I feel like what happens is I just land in the hands of God that I didn't realize were there underneath me all the time. Right. But I think that to me, part of the reason why Lent is so pivotal is that at the, at the center of our faith is, is a deep suffering. Everything that, that Jesus went through during, during his life, but also especially, especially during the passion. And what comforts me like nothing else is just knowing that whenever we suffer, we do not suffer alone, that Jesus paved the way for us. And, and bearing and enduring everything that that he bore and endured. And we always have a safe haven in him. Do you think, let me, let me ask it this way. Do you always approach Lent in a posture of like, okay, like I'm ready. I'm, I'm, this is a season that I, because I, 
know that God understands my suffering and enters into it is, has Lent always been a season that you've been drawn to? And if so, how is this year different or is it? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I have been seeing so many people talking about how, how different this, this year is. So I was, I was raised Catholic and I was, um, and I went to Catholic school and then I left the Catholic church for about 10 years from about 16 to about age 25 and then came back to the church. So during that time, um, I was in the evangelical church and just various places in, um, when I was in college, when I was in grad school, um, when I was in high school, all, just all different kinds of churches where I was non-denominational churches. And so there was a time in my life when like Lent was a thing. And then there was kind of a long time when Lent was really not a thing. And coming back to it, I think I probably was kind of intimidated by it. But at the same time, I am such a nerd. I am such a like pencil sharpened, ready for the first day of school kind of nerd that um, I always kind of get excited about it. But I for sure feel like in the last couple of years, I mean, really it's two years because we were, we were, we were starting to enter into the pandemic during Lent uh, last year. Right. And actually Ash Wednesday was the last uh, mass that I went to. I haven't, I haven't been back. My kids are so little that even, even though our parish is meeting with safety precautions in place, I just don't feel confident that I can keep my little kids like <laughs> being still, right? you know, running around like their favorite thing at mass is the sign of the, is the sign of peace. And anyway, so we're doing, I mean, we're doing it online with everybody else, but Last year and also this year, there are two scriptures that really carry me into Lent and I think really define what Lent is about for me. And I basically see Lent as an invitation. Being a child and and not ha- and hearing about Lent and not having a full understanding of it as a child, I understood it as like, okay, don't eat chocolate, you know, which is something that a lot that a lot of people do. But I really think that that what Lent is about is it's it's an invitation to draw near. And when people think about making sacrifices or giving things up for Lent, what they're doing is um, trying to identify with Christ in his suffering, to join him in his suffering. If Advent is about Jesus coming into our world and becoming one of us, then I think Lent is kind of about us coming along with him and joining him in his journey to the cross and through the passion and saying, yes, I will, I will journey with you. I will, I will, I will bear witness with you. Oh my gosh. Stop. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm in it. Okay. I am going to repeat back to you what you just said, because I've never heard it said like that ever. Um, we did a necessity of, of Advent and, um, 
and I said on that, and I said on that episode that I've always been an Advent person and I've never been a Lent person, partly because it's so long. <laughs> it's so long. And, and Advent just has a happy vibe. Like we're going, we're going, we're walking towards something happy and Lent has a, oh man, it's going to get real bad before it gets real good. And so, so to hear you say for you, Advent is us. So in, in, in Lent, you're saying that we are walking, like in Advent, he comes to us. And in Lent, we're saying yes, and we're walking along towards him. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, anytime that we, that we draw near to God, of course, that the initiative, the initiative is God's. He's right. God is the one doing, doing the drawing, but so many of these ancient faith practices I think are, are are designed to to help us walk that path with him. And if you think about so traditionally within within the Catholic tradition, the Episcopal tradition, and um, several other liturgical traditions who who observe this um, part of the calendar, your your three pillars of it are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And it's a it's a time of it's it, to me it's like kind of a time of resetting, but when we think about people really commonly say, what are you giving up for Lent or what are you, or what are you doing for Lent? And if we, if we take those traditions back to their roots, which Jesus does all the time, you'll notice people, people confront Jesus all the time about, well, why are you not washing your hands? Or why are you doing this on a Sabbath? Well, well, our tradition is to do this. Jesus always wants to boil it down to like, what, what is the, what was the original purpose when this tradition was instituted? And it was to turn our minds and our hearts to Christ and his suffering. And so the idea is to just give a really, a really common example. If you give up chocolate with if you give up chocolate, if you give up coffee, that every time you feel your body wanting to reach for that thing, you remember it's like a string tied around your finger. And that's and that's the idea. The idea is to draw you near to God. And so that can be done in so many different ways. And I really truly believe there are as many ways to pray as there are human beings because each one of us is made so deeply, uniquely. Um, each one of us reflects God in our own way. And so I kind of almost wonder if the question we should ask instead is how are how are you drawing near? Or how are you allowing God to draw near? And I totally just want to say that this year, everyone, I think, is already suffering so much. And, and there is a way to enter into, enter contemplatively into the suffering that you are already experiencing without necessarily adding something else on. So for instance, like if what you want to try to do is to create that impulse to remind you to to turn your heart to God, maybe like I haven't seen my mom, I haven't seen my my family in over a year. So you know, every maybe every it's every time I miss my mom, you know, that's a struggle I already have. Or maybe you have a child who's who's really struggling with online learning or missing friends or just any other number of things. Then each time you hit a bumpy patch with that child 
let that serve also as a reminder to turn your God, to turn your heart to God, to ask for God's help. And I realize I'm talking a lot, but I also really, I also really want to say Lent is not about shame, just full stop. Um, okay, yeah, that was my, that was going to be my next little bit. Cause I was like, okay, so I think that the reason I've avoided talking about Lent, like the plague this time around is that I just didn't want to feel bad for yeah. not going whatever, you know, whatever goal I'm, you know, and I, I, I do a lot of work on my pride because, you know, I'm like, kind of like you, like, okay, first day ready, you know, and I have these goals, I have these lofty goals. And I think that the aim is not so much what the thing is. And that's where I definitely get caught up is thinking too hard on what the thing is and making sure that the thing, whatever it is, is properly selected and is the right degree of sacrifice. And, and so that is, that does attach itself to shame. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, this, and this happens, we see this in the gospel too, that eventually what happens is a practice can kind of be co-opted to be something that is shaming and it it may still be something that is deeply meaningful for a lot of people, but some of it like in the Catholic tradition, um, we don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent, but I don't really eat meat anyway. And so I spent like a couple of years ago, I spent a long time thinking like, what is my thing that I should, like, should it be beans? I guess I eat a lot of beans. <laughs> Not really deep into things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and then right. I was okay, I think this is a little bit silly. Like, let me dig this thing up out of the ground and look at the roots. And the roots are what is going to to draw me to God. And with Lent, we talk a lot about it's it's about a turning. Um, it's about it's about repentance, but but repentance is not about shame. Shame is is never from God and shame is not productive. And so when we think about that turning and we think about doing um, self-examination, the way that I like to think about it is that, that repentance is about freedom. It's about freedom to let go of the things that are holding you back from being in closer relationship with God. And it's also freedom to be part of building the the kingdom of God here on earth and just taking a, taking a good look and saying like, okay, let me take a compassionate look at myself and my life and see like, where, where am I being blocked here by something in my life or something in my heart that I want to, that I want to offer to God and, be released into a greater freedom in my, in my relationship with God and with the world around me. I think that that's pivotal. I think that's critical. And I, and I do think that that's a place where a parallel can be drawn to Advent in that it really is both seasons have to do with making space ultimately Mm -hmm. for that relationship, right? To kind of clear away the things that are not really priority, are not really making God and and love of him and love of neighbor kind of the center Mm -hmm. of of our lives and really kind of thinking about about those things. And I 
I, I really love what you said about repentance really being freedom because I think a lot of times we go from feeling like taking a look and being like, okay, well, this is, these are the places that I feel separate or away from God. These are the things that are keeping me away from uh, fully being able to love him. I think we, we can get stuck in those places instead of deciding that, that, that God doesn't want us to be wrapped up in shame or in guilt and that really at the end of the day, he wants to free us from those things that separate us from him because he's always available. Like you said, like he's always there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we get so connected to whatever it is that we're doing wrong, we forget that at the end of the day, he wants us to be free and he wants us to have peace. And yeah. and Lent is just a... Lent is definitely a place to do that. And it's not necessarily a, it's just not a checklist. And I think I, I changed so much of my life into a checklist. Okay. Well, I got that done. Did that five times a day. Okay. Let me move on. And this is, this is a real time to kind of sit and dig. Oh yeah. 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 And I really love that, but I also, I am so prone to like, try, like trying to earn my achievement awards. And there is right. nothing, there is nothing in my life that I love more than crossing things off a to-do list. <laughs> um, Same. Yeah. I mean, if I had, yeah, if I had an idol, it's my, it's my to-do list for sure. Right. But I also want to say like, even as a person who writes devotionals, I several years ago decided to just extend um, an olive branch to myself and just accept the idea that often, like, I love doing them. Like, I love, I love doing the reading. I love doing the scriptures and the reflection. And, you know, I'm, we're in a pandemic and my kids are home all the time. And um, it's, this year is just so hard. And so I'm like, you know, sometimes I like finish up my Advent one around Valentine's Day. And maybe I finished one year I finished Lent, like, uh, I don't know, the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what I think I'm trying to also tell myself, because like, I just, this is so hilarious, but. I have for the past three years, these lists of stuff I wanted to do for Lent. And they're just like, they get longer every year. And I'm fine. This is the first year that I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to do that this year. But, you know, no time that is spent in prayer or in scripture or in dwelling in the presence of God is ever in vain. And if you end this Lent having drawn closer to God, even if it was only one day out of this 40 days, you grew closer to God. And like, that is what matters. And I also like about consistency. Like I just was reading, um, I, I was reading some in the, in the old Testament. And I, I just realized like, there is no being who is more patient with human beings. Oh, gracious. Say it again for the ones yeah. in the back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those saying- Israelites. It's funny because when I read the Old Testament, I'm like, you guys get it together. And then I look around, I look left and right to humanity right now. And I'm like, oh. Oh, here, yeah. Here we are again. Like all the golden calves, all the ignoring the prophets. Like that's, here we are. 
Oh, same no. song, second verse. It's me, Lord. I'm them. They're me. Yeah, for for sure, for sure. That's me. That's me too. So I'm. Tr- I try to. I try to take a note from God on mercy and not shame myself and and not sweat it because the thing is God God knows us so intimately. He knows our lives so intimately. He knows that you are in a house with five kids. Yes. So like it, and that we're that we're in a pandemic and I guess you know what I have seen is just especially people who are mothers and people who are caregivers are saying like I just I'm at the edge right now and that like we're hitting a wall and I mean oh my goodness I like I definitely feel that too like if what you need to do this Lent is instead of giving up chocolate if you need to actually instead eat chocolate every day and just spend five minutes resting in the fact that you are beloved and asking God to wrap around you and let you rest and to ask God for the hope to believe in resurrection and in Easter, then that's what you need to do. Right. right. (laughs) So do you think there's an end goal, right? Like, do you think we're, we're, you know, is there, we're, this is being recorded before Lent. So like before it even begins. So do you think it's wise to go into Lent with an end goal? Should there be an end goal in Lent? That's a good question. And it, I mean, it probably depends on the person. I am going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this devotional this year. And like, that's my thing that I'm going to do. And I'm trying really hard not to tack more things on because I just. It's so easy because, because everybody's doing some amazing things and you're like, Oh, I want to support that. And I, Ooh, I need that in my life. And Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's hard. For sure. But every, I mean, every person is so different. And I don't think that, I don't think that we should look at what other people are doing and, and judge ourselves. There might be someone in a completely different season in life who says like, okay, well, you know what this Lent, what I want to do is I want to read like the whole gospel of John or, you know, something, something beautiful like that. That's beautiful. If I were to do that, it would, (laughs) it would cause me probably stress and anxiety that would keep me from being in peaceful communion with God. But as to a goal, I have this idea about Lent, and this is something that we do in our house. We 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 don't do it every night, but you know, like salt dough that you can bake and you make it into ornaments and things like that at Christmas time. It's just flour, a bunch of salt, and some water. You mix it up, you shape it, and you bake it, and it hardens. So what I did a couple of years ago is I made a spiral. Because I love that for Advent, we have the Advent wreath, but we don't really have something like that for Lent. And so I made a spiral, like roll it into a snake and then twist it into a circle and then take a candle and stick it in and make 40 indentations. And then it becomes this candle holder. And each night we read it like a tiny bit of scripture, or I just paraphrase it for my kids. Like they are really into the page on their children's Bible where Jonah gets eaten by. (laughs) So, um, you know, just whatever works. And then we try to sing one verse of a song and each day we move that candle. And so it's going in this spiral and 
it has helped me to think about this is something that um, Richard Rohr said, and it's drawn from a poem by the German poet Rilke, that he has this poem that's about a bird circling around a tower as us circling around God. And so what I like to think about during Lent is that the passion is at the center of our faith and at the center of our Lenten experience. And if what we do during Lent is just circle around that mystery. Read the stories, dwell in the stories, enter into them, see them from Mary's perspective, see them from Peter's perspective, and um, just try to take all of that in in a contemplative way. Then to me, that is a very, that is a very fruitful one. But I don't think that I, just like as one human being, could ever say like, this one thing will will suit all. I don't right, right. I don't think that could ever be true because we're just all so gloriously different. Right. And and I think like what you said at the beginning, maybe maybe the end goal is just to draw near. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever that looks like for you at this stage, at this point, it's not like the Lenten Olympics. It's like yes. God loves you. God loves you and and he showed you, he shows us. And, but, but this is the story of like the, the ultimate walk towards, towards that, towards that love, um, and towards that hope and Easter Sunday. And so, and so maybe just whatever it looks like. And so maybe it, what it is, is just kind of, I think for me, what this conversation is doing is it's opening my heart up to not make Lent be another anxiety on top of all the other things that I'm trying to juggle, all the yeah. plates I'm trying to spin. Just open my heart up to, to really ask myself, okay, Lisa, what is it that you think will bring you into that mystery? Like, what is it that will turn and pivot you a little bit in that direction to think about what, what does right now separate you from, from the love of God? What does repentance look like for you right now? And what does walking towards that mystery? I don't think I'm ever going to forget that like the analogy you made between Advent and Lent. It, you might have just saved Lent for me for the rest of my life. The single, even if this podcast does not go beyond this conversation between you and I, like you've literally just saved the way <laughs> I have always been like, what is the worst guys? Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally get that. Yeah. And I think that, so let me get back to these uh, two verses that I love so much that are kind of about, I think Lent as an inward look and an outward look. So the first one we get every Ash Wednesday is from the book of Joel. And it's um, the one that says, return to me with all of your heart, even now. And my favorite part of that is even now, because Mm, mm, every mm. year there's an even now, like we're in a pandemic, even now, (laughs) (laughs) even now, Lord, yes, even now. And just, oh my goodness, the, t- the tenderness of that. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, um, solve all your problems and then come back. It's return to me with all your heart. And just the, the subtext of that to me is I am here. Whatever it is that is making you feel 
hurt and abandoned in your life, I am here even now, even now, even here, even here. And that has always been such a deep comfort to me. Yeah. And then the second one is from Isaiah 58. And this year, we're going to get that one on the first Friday of Lent. And it's talking about fasting and penance. And it's just a couple of verses, if I could read them. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So it says, it's well, he's talking about people who are wearing sackcloth and ashes, but still going on being horrible to each other, oh, <laughs> as right. we often do. Yes. And it says, do you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This rest, rather, is the fasting that I wish releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on your own. And I love that so much because he's, because he's getting back to the roots of, of why we do this. We do this to draw closer to God, we also do this to work towards building the kingdom of God, towards um, establishing shalom here on earth. And so I think just really commonly when we think about Lent, we think about, oh, Lent is a time to identify with the suffering Christ. But I think it's also a time to identify the suffering Christ in the world around us because where any human being suffers, God suffers there as well. And we know that anything we do to help another human being who's been made in the image of God is something that gives glory to God, but also inches the earth just one tiny step forward toward the kingdom. Oh, that was good. That is so <laughs> good. Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. Um, okay, so... Let me shift a little bit to this devotional that you partnered. You partnered with Lauren of Brick House in the City, and y'all created a devotional. And this devotional, correct me if I'm wrong, is going to walk folks during Lent towards Jesus with a diverse group of saints. So, how do you think that those who have gone before us can help us walk this road that you're um, talking about? Yeah, they're amazing. And it is, uh, it is a really diverse group of people in totally different um, historical, uh, historical time periods and different places throughout the world. And all of them had... Um, all of them endured suffering, totally different suffering. So there's Dorothy Day, there's my favorite saint, St. Oscar Romero. There's also um, a lesser, a lesser known nun who helped to hide people during the Nazi occupation who was killed for, for doing that in her, in her convent. Um, there's St. Martin de Porres, who did all kinds of suffering. There's Thea Bowman and Julia Greeley, who suffered tremendously physically and yet devoted her whole life to caring for others. So this devotional, uh, the thing that I love the best about it 
is that it's not written in the first person at all. It's it's not about my life or experiences. It's it's entirely based on the lives and the writings of these saints, scripture and meditative prayer suggestions based on their lives and their writings. And also, because I can't help myself, a very good sprinkling of Catholic social teaching, which reminds us of our responsibility to the common good. And I I feel so uplifted by the things that these people wrote, by the decisions that they made, by the things that they endured for love of God and love of neighbor. I am I'm just a big saint fangirl, really. And there are the thing that I think about when I really feel low is I think about how many saints there are that we've just never heard of. <laughs> right. Like, you know, people from all different time spans who just did amazing, amazing um, acts of love and service and just didn't happen to have anyone there to write it all down. Right. So I find that really encouraging. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I was excited to tell you this little story that happened today during virtual school. I was helping... My first grader, when he's finished early, I have a box of kind of pick your own learning that he can go to. And one of his favorite things is a, uh, a, a workbook of geography. And so generally when he chooses that, um, he and I sit together and we look up the different countries that are, that are on there and the fun fact. And while he, he picked it and today I was kind of like, oh, he picked it and I'm, I'm in the middle of prepping for this interview with Cameron later, and this is like not the best time to sit with him. And I was already a little bit grumbly because I was like, oh, Lent, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm doing, I'm working this, I'm working on this, and he pulls up beside me. And so I'm like, okay. So he's on India, right? And so he's doing the activities for India. And one of the words that he was supposed to look up was lotus. Hmm. the lotus flower. So I was like, okay, I want to show him a picture. My computer was up because I was working on today's episode and I, I Google Lotus and I kid you not, like the first thing that pops up when I go to images is like this image that was embedded in an article. And there was this big, huge, like in huge font, there was this big quote that said the lotus flower blooms most beautifully from the deepest and thickest mud. And I was like, "Mm, okay, God. Okay. 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 I won't hate Lent today. And so I read the article and the article just went on and on about how miraculous this beautiful flower that resurrects every day into this beautiful creation, despite the fact that it is rooted in mud. And so I just thought, man, you know, if that isn't a nod to where I am right now and the possibility of, yeah, you know, things are really hard and I'm really stressed, stretched and I'm really tired, but that doesn't mean that Jesus cannot make something beautiful flower and resurrect out of out of things that are hard. And, and, and really I should, I should be the first person proclaiming this because he's done it too many times to count in my own life. And, and so 
um, I thought that you would enjoy that little I week. Love that. I love that. And I'm just thinking about we used to live in, we used to live in Southern California and um, I would take my son when he was a toddler to the botanic gardens all the time. And it is, it's, there was like all of these um, lotus ponds there and it is, it's just like the thickest, most clogged kind of mud. But I love that connection that you drew and like even more than that. And I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll say that this maybe is the, is the deepest goal of Lent is to see everything in your life, whether it's a joy or a sorrow as a doorway into the presence of God. And you did that. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thank you so much for coming in and just, just, you shine this big, beautiful, brilliant light on all of us by being so open and vulnerable and honest. I think, I think I'm in a place in my life where honesty about the hard is so much more, it's so much more balm to my heart than is the it's a nice, pretty bow. Like if you have the right amount of faith or the right prayer or the right angle or the right retreat, it's a bow. I I think yeah. that the hard, the people who are honest about the hard are the people who are just honest about the human condition. You know what I mean? And I think that Jesus knows it better than anyone because he entered into it. And so yeah. I just want to thank you so much for honestly, it feels like a ministry of uh, the ministry of honesty, the ministry of beautiful hard is, is where I feel like you've just totally lent your light. So thank you so much. I, I, um, yes, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm really committed to that. And just the feeling that I have that the, the brightest light is the one that acknowledges the darkness. And I think that's probably why I love Dostoevsky so much because he is, um, just to take a small Russian literary detour here, I feel like I've, and I've always felt even way back when I was in high school, like here is a person who is not afraid to like go way deep down in the dark mm-hmm. underbelly of what it is to be a human being. Right. and knows that that is where you find the grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Like that, that is where, that's, that's where God is to be found. So absolutely. Yeah. So good. Okay. Thank you again, Cameron, for your time. You can learn more about this episode or about all things Upside Down by going to UpsideDownPodcast.com or finding Upside Down Podcast on Instagram. You are always welcome to join the Upside Down Together listener group on Facebook to process through episodes with the lens of God's Upside Down Kingdom. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next time. Upside Down Podcast is created and hosted by Kayla Craig, Lindsay Wallace, Elisa Molina, and Patricia Taylor. Episodes are edited by Tess Malone and Johnny Craig. Show notes are by Lana Smith. 
Learn more at UpsideDownPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.